Hi folks, it's your host W. Curtis Preston and I wanted to give you some great news. Druva liked my latest O'Reilly book enough to sponsor it and you can get a free copy by just going to druva.com slash podcast. Hope you like it. This week on No Hardware Required, we're going to talk about lifted and shifted backup architectures and why that matters. With me as always is my co-host Stephen Manley. Thanks for joining. Hi, and welcome to Druva's No Hardware Required podcast. I'm your host, W. Curtis Preston. And with me, I have none other than our CTO, Stephen Manley. How's it going, Stephen? It's going great. You know, I, I spent my day lifting weights because I don't lift architectures. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure you've lifted a lot more weights than I have. But that, let's not talk about that. That's too depressing. So th there is a lot of activity in the SaaS space. If, if we go back, say, five years ago, there was us and nobody. And us. Then, <laughs> yeah, us and us. us and us, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, we, we, I know we use that phrase that we, we, we like to say that we, we were skating where the puck is going. For a while, we were over in a corner, you know, <laughs> sitting there with a hockey stick waiting for something waiting to happen. Waiting for the puck. <laughs> right. Well, right now, yeah. suddenly everybody else is playing over in our corner. Right. So, you yeah. know, we have one or two competitors that are SaaS only competitors. But I think the bigger thing is that we have uh, vendors that have taken their traditional backup architecture and lifted and shifted it and put it in the cloud and then um, offered that as a service. That doesn't mean that it's not SaaS. It's just mean that they will have challenges that we do not have. And so I think the thing I wanted to talk about is if I'm a customer or a potential customer of those services, why do I care? I think the first thing, you know, even before we get to what they look for, it's almost why should they care, you know, what the architecture is? And, right. and one of the things I like to lead with is, you know, in our industry, uh, there's not a lot of secrets, right? It's, it, sometimes I, I get a customer and they say, well, you know, I'm not sure if we're under NDA and this, that, and the other. I'm like, look, 99% of what I tell you is public and the other 1%, all the other vendors know. The challenge isn't knowing what the right answer is. It's how you get there. And so if mm -hmm. you look at everybody in our industry, every single one of them is making some sort of SaaS motion, SaaS play, which tells you what? It tells you that everybody knows that SaaS is the right answer. Uh, and so, so going back to, to, to sort of, you know, they're coming to where we are. So, so why should this matter? Because the market has told you this is the single most important thing someone can do right now. Just like 20 years ago, the single most important thing we were doing was deduplication. Data domain came out with deduplication and everyone went, oh, we don't need that. And then furiously tried to figure out how to build deduplication because we all knew right. that it was a genius idea. This kind of the same thing right now. Everyone sort of poo-pooed SaaS, but they're all desperately trying to build SaaS because it's the most important thing you can do in the market right now. So that's the first thing is why should you care? Because everybody's shown you it's the thing you should care about. So then we get to the second one. How can you tell a good one from a bad one? So there's the simple way, which is if you go with somebody who built it from the ground up, someone who's been doing it for the longest, somebody that has the most customers, somebody that you know, only does that, there's a good chance they've got it right. Um, but if you want to dig in a little bit deeper, some of the things you want to look for are, you know, what's your size of deduplication? 
Um, you know, how much can you scale up and down in terms of your workloads? Uh, how many different regions can you run in? Um, you know, how many different workloads do you support? How effective are you at managing your network bandwidth? We could dig into why those matter, but, but those are some of the things you want to look for. Uh, I've never drawn this analogy but before, but I'm going to do it now. I am the proud owner of a 2013 Toyota Prius, all right? I would argue that Prius is so far the single most reliable hybrid car, right? And uh, it's not, I, I think there might be some models that might get slightly better gas mileage, but it is, you know, by far the, the, the most vetted, if you will, hybrid architecture. There are other products, some of which are offered by Toyota, that are what I would call bolt-on hybrids, where they put the, the hybrid engine next to the, the gasoline engine. It adds a lot of cost when you do it that way. It's very similar to when you do a lift and shift architecture versus a purpose-built architecture. And so this is why I have a Prius and not a Toyota Corolla hybrid version, right? Because right. a Toyota Corolla costs like 6000 I don't know, it's, it's four to 5000 more for that hybrid option and you never make up the difference in gas, right? right? I think it's the same thing here. When you take a an architecture that was previously built for the data center, and then you move it into the cloud, basically their costs will be higher than our costs. And why should that matter to the customer? Because this is the way business works, right? <laughs> that cost will get passed on to you. And. I had one thought that like when I think about one of our competitors, one way I think to really look at the way they're how, if you will, sassy a vendor is, is how they bill you. Do you have to buy uh, and pay for capacity that you need but don't use? I know some of our competitors, they charge... They say, how big is your data center? And they charge you for how big that data center is, upfront pricing or front-end pricing. Right. And that doesn't, it doesn't matter how well that, uh, that product dedupes, they're going to charge you for that front-end uh, data center. They're also often charging you for, if you've got a, I don't know, 500 terabyte data center and you pay for 500 terabytes, you're going to be paying for a 500 terabyte license regardless of how many terabytes you actually back up, All right? Um, so that's one way, I think, is to look at how sassy, if you will, a uh, backup product is, is how well the, uh, the, pr the price that you pay matches exactly what you're doing, not what you want to be doing or right. or you know your need to do in the future does that sound about right yeah, it, it, it does and i and i think that's reflective of something you know and and i i had an old boss that that used to that used to basically admonish me and say look you're looking at this from a technical perspective and that's fine because because that's 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 what we pay you to do but you need to understand that that it's usually you know, business requirements and business changes that are much harder uh in terms of dealing with disruption on the technology side. So, so what you're pointing at, I think, is there are these companies that are used to getting paid a certain way, paying their salespeople a certain way, protecting themselves so that they, they, you know, they, they aren't holding the bag. 
And, and, and so shifting that business model to say, no, we're going to do on-demand pricing. No, you know, we're, we're, you know, you're, you, we have confidence in how this works and, and we're only going to charge you for what, what you're actually storing as opposed to how much data you have on the front end. That's the harder shift. As hard as it right. is to build a system like Drew on the back end, shifting your business from a, a perpetual license model and a buy appliances model to that kind of cloud on demand model is like an order of magnitude harder than building the tech. Yeah, I hadn't even thought about its impact on the on the sales uh, side of things, but that, that is a very important point. So I think the question to ask the vendor is, let's say I start out with 200 terabyte, but it's I'm six months in and due to various issues, I haven't yet deployed anything. Right. How much am I paying now? Right. I, I said I want to back up 200 terabytes. It's six months later. I got delayed. How much am I paying now? That's one question to ask. Next question is, let's say I deployed everything. I'm backing up 200 terabytes and then I sell off half the company. Now my data center is 100 terabytes. Now, how much am I paying? If if the, the answer to the first one is, well, you're paying for 200 terabytes because that's what you said you had. And the second one is you're paying for 200 terabytes because that's what you said you had. We get down there. There's no down, right? There's no, there's no going down. If, if, if it's a true SaaS offering, you can very easily go down right. and you can very easily go up, but it's the down part. That's what, that's what you made me think about. It's that down part. Can I, uh, you know, will my cost go down? Right. Because again, when I in that old hardware mindset, you bought the box. You bought the box with the 200 terabytes. It is yours. If you never want to use it, cool. If you want to store 200 terabytes on it, cool. Either way, you paid me for the 200 terabytes, and I'm done. You know, with, right, with cloud right. and SaaS, it's let's work. And this is and this is why so many people I think like cloud. Why so many people like SaaS when you do it right. And, and this, this is the second part is if there's no hidden fees that are sort of compensated, because that's the other way, right, that, that, that you, can, you can sometimes get bid is you say, no, no, we won't charge you for the 200. Uh, but by the way, we're charging you for all the transfers and we're charging you uh, extra for restores and we're charging you every time you try to tier the data. And you know, it, 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 if you're getting those hidden fees, that, that's, that's just as bad. Right. So, so, so I think yeah. uh, those, those are the two things to look for. And, and I think complication too, right? Complications of billing. So I can think again of one of our competitors that they charge both for front end terabytes and for back end terabytes, right? right. So it, assuming you use their storage, they do allow you to use other vendor storage. And that's a different challenge if you do that. We could talk about that. Right. But if you use their storage, you're paying for both the front end. Well, I'd say either way, you're paying for both the front end and the back end. The question is right. uh, just who you're, you know, who you're paying. How many people you're paying? Yeah. And that's very interesting because it's a complicated uh, business structure, right? So versus the way we price, which is globally deduplicated, and we charge you only by the gigabyte of what you store on the back end, right? And yeah. that's the way we charge the, for the data center for the, you know, for the backing up endpoints and uh, SaaS uh, apps, we charge by the seat, which is, which is, I think, appropriate. I, you, I know you and I have talked about this. We charge the, the same way you're paying for that service, right? 
Right, right. And, and, and I, think, I think that simplicity, right? Uh, if I can explain to you in two sentences the way Curtis just did, how you're going to pay for my service, I've got a good SaaS service. If I'm pulling out seven pages of legalese to explain to you how you're paying for the service, A, I don't have a good SaaS service, and B, it's not going to work out well for you. The seven-page documents about how you're getting charged never turn out in your favor. Yeah. Well, they turn out well for, for the other guy, just not for right, Exactly. You. Right. The, the person who wrote the seven pages, they've made sure it works great for them. You're going to get bit somewhere. And so, so that's one of the things I, I really take pride in on the Druva side is it is as simple as that. Endpoints and SaaS applications, you're playing per seat per user. Uh, data center, you're paying per backend capacity, what, you know, including deduplication, compression, and all of that. That's it. Right. And, and, and if you want to do long-term retention and tier to, to, to cooler storage, you know, we knock a certain percentage off right there. Right? It, it, it doesn't matter exactly how much data moves. We're knocking a certain percent off your, off your bill. And if you want to back up directly to cold, we're knocking a certain percent off your bill. So, so again, you have that certainty. It's just boom, there it's done. You, you, right. you, certainty matters in SaaS. And uh, I, I want to talk about the, this idea of, you know, again, going back to the lifted and shifted. But besides billing, one, so I'm going I'm to ask sort of two questions. One is one way you know, how do I know if my, my potential vendor is using a lifted and shifted architecture? And I would say the quickest way to know that is if they're using phrases like, this is the same old ABC product that you already know and love. If it's the same old product you already know and love, that means they, they took it and they put it in VMs in the cloud on your behalf. That's not wrong. It's just, it's very obvious that that means they lifted and shifted it because if they refactored it, then they're lying to you. It's not the same right. product that you already know and love. It's a completely rewritten product. So right. I, one of these two things have to be true. Either it's lifted and shifted or it's the, you know, or it's, it's different. a completely refactored product, right? Yeah, and that's, that's, so, that's having built both types of, of applications I can't, uh, I can't overemphasize how important that is. From deduplication, you know, the way we built deduplication in data domain is vastly different than how we build deduplication in Druva. And, and the way data domain built it for appliances was, was nothing short of genius. And the way Druva does it in the cloud is, is similarly just uniquely brilliant. And so, but they're different. And, and there's no way you would say one, you, know, one, you can't just lift and shift to the other. They're different. The same is true for processing backups. The same is true for cataloging backups. The same is true for authentication. I mean, each one of these steps you're going to do differently if you're going truly SaaS because the cloud is not about building boxes and installing software on boxes. It is, it is about truly building a service. And I want to go back to, well, why should I care? Okay, so, so I, you know, I, I, I've acknowledged that this potential vendor of mine is has used it a lifted and shifted architecture. I think on the, the, the first part, we talked a lot about the cost. I think that if you're not, I know because I've seen how cloud billing works. If you're not, if you're using a lifted and shifted architecture, their costs will be more, those costs will be passed on to you. 
um, th- there is a possibility there that at least right now they might be doing a loss leader approach where they're yeah. losing money on that side, but that can only last for so long, right? Yeah. But let me talk about what for some might be an even more important concern, and that is security. If yeah. you are taking a lifted and shifted Unix or Lindos, Lindos? <laughs> if you are taking yeah, a lifted and shifted Unix or Windows box, and you are moving it into a VM in the cloud, here's my question. If you're hiding the existence of that server from me, who's managing that server? Who has root on that server? Because when it was in my data center, the answer was me. But if you've lifted and shifted it and put it into the cloud, and you've hid it from me by putting a SaaS layer in front of it, who has root on it? And the answer is, well, they do. Right. And again, I've used a lot of different backup products. And if I have root on your backup server, I am all powerful. I can see whatever I want. I can do whatever I want. I can delete backups. I can do all of these things. So that that's I think the the second approach is or the the second reason why you um, should be concerned about a lifted and shifted architecture. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, and and it's interesting because I think a lot of those lifted and shifted architectures try to spin it as a positive. Oh, we have a dedicated environment for you. It's it's not shared, uh, and so so that means you're totally isolated from everybody else. All right. The first thing is, if we're all again all those let's say it's AWS, all those EC2 instances that are running your Windows server. Right. They're not that isolated if they're all run by the same company. Uh, and then the second one is, like Curtis said, because it's in that architecture, you know, everything is built assuming that root has access to everything. So absolutely, you know, if, if you truly build a multi-tenant architecture, they should be able to walk you through all the layers, right? Uh, you know, we, we use a mixture of containers and Lambda here at Druva. We have multiple layers that prevent any human being from ever directly accessing any of the production environment. We have layers upon layers of security and privacy validation. We have envelope encryption to make sure you hold the keys. We do all these things. And, and I, I you know, personally have spent hours talking customers through what this means. If the response you get from your vendor is, oh, it's a dedicated environment, you'll be fine. That's not a good answer, right? Yeah, exactly. We talked in the previous podcast about how we have global deduplication and how that we, unlike any vendor that I am aware of, we have customers that are double digits of petabytes, all deduplicating data in one dedupe database, right? And, and, And I don't know any other vendor that can say that. And when I think about some of these other vendors that are more traditional legacy backup providers that have lifted and shifted their architecture, I know they have dedupe limitations. I I know it for a couple of reasons. I've seen um, uh, reports recently. And again, I'm thinking about one specific vendor, but I won't call them out. I've seen two partners of theirs advertise how you can send their deduplicated data and store it on their appliance, and they get another 50% of dedupe out of out of that data. So I know that their dedupe is not that efficient, number one. Number two, I know that they have dedupe limitations, right? So that, that basically they can only go up to a certain number of hundreds of terabytes 
before they have to create another DDoop database. Right. I also know that you have to do things like, you know, uh, sort of closing off the database and starting over after some period of time. Here's a if, if you have those going on, that will impact the number of gigabytes that you're going to need on the back end. You're going to be storing more gigabytes because it's not as efficient at what, as what Druva does. There will also be occasional, and I, I can't say how often it will happen, but what you should be looking for is occasional jumps in pricing. That doesn't happen right. with Druva customers, right? Our bills right. do go up because why? Because your data goes up over time. But right. it, it's never like da 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 da, da and all of a sudden <laughs> it shoots up yeah. 100%. I had to make a whole new copy of everything. Yeah, yeah if, it, if it did that, it's because you suddenly started backing up an entirely new world that you weren't backing up before, right? right. But with these other vendors, if, the, if their database, their dedupe database works like that, you will get jumps in pricing where because you suddenly have to store another new full image, which again, right. that simply doesn't happen in a purpose-built SaaS architecture. Yeah, yeah. I, I, th I think the other one that I, that I always point out to customers, again, if you have built Dedupe for the cloud, if you've built it to, you know, from the ground up, one of the things that we get you know, pretty much just automatically because of our architecture is when we tier from uh, S3 to say Glacier Deep Archive, we're not starting with a whole new copy, to your point, right? We are simply moving the unused blocks and they are part of the same dedupe pool. So that you know, because our deduplication is above the storage layer, I can dedupe across multiple storage layers and it is totally transparent to the customer. And there's no jump in price. There's no, it'll get more expensive before fingers crossed it gets less expensive. It's, it instantly gets less expensive because it's all one dedupe pool. And if you're not hearing things like that from your vendor, it's lift and shift. Right. Can you think of anything else that we should bring up? I, I think the last one, uh, and this one, it probably because I'm more on the development side matters to me uh, the most of all, is in a true SaaS architecture, I am constantly and relentlessly releasing new functionality, supporting new workloads, adding, adding new functionality for, say, ransomware protection or for data governance. Uh, I'm adding new workloads like Kubernetes and Microsoft 365 and, and all the subparts of Microsoft 365. And I'm doing that. Uh, and, and so you see that cadence of new functionality releasing much more frequently. And just as importantly, it always just shows up for you. You know, if there's a lift and shift architecture, you'll see that weird thing where it's like they announced this and maybe some people are using it, but not others because they've only upgraded some parts. And when you're in a true SaaS architecture, it shows up for you automatically. You don't have to do anything. Yeah. And that, again, it's one of those things that you don't really think about until you've used a pure SaaS architecture. But if you think about, again, a true SaaS architecture is something like Microsoft 365, when they add new functionality, suddenly all of the customers have it. You don't have to upgrade stuff uh, to, to have the new functionality. You just get it. And um, if you're doing a lift and shift architecture, that means that that vendor is going to have to go in, log in as root or administrator, and upgrade your backup server, during which you will have an outage, right? Uh, that's another thing is that the, the way that you do a purpose-built architecture, you build all of this in and you're able to upgrade things 
you know, with very quickly with, without uh, uh, any major outages. So, um, which is why, by the way, we're able to guarantee things like that. Talk to that vendor about their resiliency guarantee. Ask them what they guarantee in terms of uptime and recoverability and all of that. And then compare that to what we offer with the Druva data resiliency guarantee. So, yeah, I, you know, it, to me, it's one of these things where this is really obvious. It's, it's difficult when, when you're dealing with a competitor who will say we're not lift and shift. Well, again, that that's the most challenging is, you know, um, I'm aware of at least one phone call where we had a, a customer that is a customer of this other vendor. And this other vendor said, we're not lifted shift. Again, you're the same vendor that says that um, it's the same it's the old same. ABC, right? So it's either the same or it's not, you, you, right? Uh, so you can't have your cake and eat it too. But um, anyway, all right. Well, um, you and I could probably talk about this for ages, but we're only supposed to go about 20 minutes and we went past that. So anyway, <laughs> Well, anyway, thanks for having a chat with me. Uh, my, my pleasure. And again, everybody out there, you know, SaaS is the way to go. Just be careful before you make your purchase so you're picking the right true SaaS solution. And thanks again to our listeners. And remember to subscribe. And remember, here at Druva, there's no hardware required.